This is Season 2, Episode 29 of the Faith Over Breakfast Podcast. Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. Uh, my name is Eric Seepin from the Village Church, and I'm sitting across from Andy Littleton from Mission Church, and also from... From the spice you work in your oh. studio, yeah, Midtown Artisans. Midtown Artisans, yeah, because yeah. you get to be from two places. I can, be and from, our studio I can be is from all kinds of places in Midtown Artisans' little space, right? Yeah, it's a studio. So it's like the I don't know how you would say that, but anyway, we talked about the church calendar and we talked about the mundane life. Yeah, um, we tried to talk as slow as possible to keep you, you know, engaged and really? uh, mundane. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> It was mundane. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so uh, I don't know if you have any other comments. Um, Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you listening. Well, I, we could probably cover a lot of these. I mean, I don't know how interested you are in talking about the church calendar. I can talk about it for 10, 15 minutes, and we could be done. All right. Let's see what happens. Hey, good morning. Uh, good to have you with us. Eric is uh, sitting over here. We're in our short sleeve shirts because it's going to be 95 in Tucson today. Yes. What in the world? There's something definitely wrong. Wrong, wrong. Man, stop it. Uh, Anyway, we, uh, yeah, so we're hanging out where Eric has coffee. I don't have anything because I'm going to go get breakfast and coffee out after this. Oh, so you're hungry. uh, So you're doing podcasts hungry. I'm hangry. You are hangry. Because, you know, you. so you want to talk about, you want to talk about the church calendar and just a little window into the pre-conversation here. I'm not sure... If I'm like, I don't know if anybody cares. That's what that's where I'm at. I'm, and then I'm expressing general. And then you tell me what people care about, really. Yeah. And you said it's leadership, and yes. and I just groan. Yeah, you don't you don't want to do a leadership podcast. I don't want to do a leadership podcast. I don't Everybody like leadership podcasts. To be a leader. I have listened to some. Yes, you have. Uh huh. But you want to you want to you want to invent it on your own. You want to make it all up as you go. You want to no. That's you want to create and uh, no no no. That's not it. I, I actually don't want to create all my own leadership things. I'm fine with getting some principles from somebody. Else. It's just that that's just what every pastor ends up doing. It feels like there's just. I feel like the market's flooded with leadership podcasts. Well, and couldn't we be like the anti? Leadership podcast. We are a leadership podcast, but we're not a leadership podcast. No. Oh. no. I mean, well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> See how I lead? Yeah. I, <laughs> I wanted to talk about that. How do you? Yeah. How does Andy lead? Like, basically, people make suggestions and you're like, well, maybe, yeah, maybe we'll see how that goes. Or I say a quick no. No. And then I think about it and then I go, oh, maybe. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Is that... That's yeah. That's, that's a good leadership principle. The well maybes and knows of leadership. The well maybes and knows of leadership. By, there you go. That's, by that's, Andy Littleton. By Andy Littleton. Well, so so what led us into this was uh, yeah I forgot and I'm sorry Eric I forgot that last week you wanted to uh, talk about the church calendar so and this is something that in I I think I've had one non pastor friend ever. Talk to me about the church calendar. Yeah. This is something pastors talk about. So that, I think that's where I'm at is I'm like, hey, we got some pastors that listen to our podcast, but generally we have some people. So if we're going to talk about this, we got to make this accessible and tell people why they should care. So yeah, let's so do well, it. I, well, that's why I want to talk about it. Good. Because one thing is that in the demographic I'm not in, the millennials mm-hmm. and below, there's an increasing interest 
in the, yeah. in the church calendar. The, the trendy thing to do is to be liturgical and follow the church calendar, which is – it's just like baggy pants coming back. That's what you think, yeah. Except it's like baggy pants that were popular 2,000 years ago and have yeah. and been popular and I, for a very hey, long look, time. And hey, look, we have – we we follow a liturgy at our yes, church. Not a... much of the church calendar. Right. But but yeah. So let me let me explain the church calendar and then – Say why I think it's important to to contemplate and do that. Remind me to ask you about how you think people coming out of Catholicism feel about it. I'm interested in that. Yeah, I had a conversation with a guy the other day that maybe wasn't about the church calendar, but it makes me curious. But explain what's Eric. What's the church calendar? What's the church calendar? Well, well first off, the church calendar. The idea is pretty simply that we do live by rhythms no matter what, right? You, I think most of us, at least in my age group and your age group, live by the calendar of school. First semester, second semester, summer vacation. That is the calendar that we live by. Um, But we're always living by calendars. In fact, the American church calendar is the national holidays. Like the conservative church follows a calendar. Um, It's it's actually one maybe we shouldn't be following, but it is a calendar. Yeah, a lot of churches are more likely to celebrate Fourth of July than Lent. Right. The church calendar, though, is a way of centering your life around Jesus and having a calendar that forces you into some rhythms that may be counter to the culture you're in. Mm -hmm. So it starts in November, the end of November, beginning of December with Advent, where we're preparing for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And the church calendar looks at Christmas itself as a feast. So it's four weeks before that where you are anticipating the birth of Christ. Right. And then you celebrate Christmas, not just Christmas, but it's actually until January 2nd, you are celebrating the birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Christmas Day is a, supposed to be a big feast and a celebration of his birth. And I like the feast. Yeah, feasting is good. That That is part of the calendar is feasting, which is a cool thing. Is there a cake built into the calendar? Yeah, there should be. <laughs> right. So then you have Epiphany. Right, and Epiphany means revelation, and yeah. so we're talking about uh, Jesus being revealed to us. In particular, he's revealed at the temple. He's re- mm-hmm. so God Man is being revealed um, to us. Yeah. So we have the Epiphany, and that happens all the way up to Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And Ash Wednesday begins Lent, mm-hmm. and Lent is a time in the calendar. It's like forty days plus Sundays again with celebrations. It's modeled after. The 40 years in the desert yeah. with the Israelites, the 40 days in the desert with Jesus, uh, you know, as he goes out and battles Satan and, and, and really is entering into his ministry. Um, and what you do at Lent is you begin a reflection on what Christ um, did dying on the cross for your sins. So in some ways, you begin to contemplate your own brokenness. You fast. It's a time of fasting. So in a way, it's kind of stopping your busyness and forcing you along with the whole community of God right. to say we're going to contemplate we're going to contemplate good friday the right. day that Jesus died um and so you you do that and then that fast is ended on easter in which we have this gigantic celebration which is interesting to me because i grew up in like a very very protestant community that didn't celebrate any of this so easter in some ways though it's kind of a little bit of an exciting day is not really that dramatic. You're like, eh, Easter. Every Sunday's Easter. Um, and, I, and I grew up in some, I mean, in Pentecostal circles, but but there were like 
Easter plays, animals in the sanctuary. Oh, yeah. So not a feast, but a big production. It is, but yeah. then Easter disappears. Then it's what, over. Yeah. Whereas in the calendar, it's another 50 days. Yeah. And in fact, what happens in the calendar is that you know you fasted in Lent, you celebrate in those 50 days, meaning you add something hmm. into your life that will be a celebration of the new life and the new creation that God has brought through Jesus. And so then after that, we have Pentecost. Yeah. Right. So we have when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the world. And so after Pentecost and all of that, you have what they call the the ordinary. Yeah. The time. Ordinary or, time. Ordinary yeah. time, which is the church, the time where discipleship in the, you know, in the liturgical, like Anglican and Catholic and and, and other high church, like Lutherans, that's where that happens. That's, that's the time of discipleship. Hmm. That's... Um, how do we go out and now be Jesus to the world? Um, the reason I think the calendar is important and have the older I've gotten, the more important it has been to me is that I've started realizing that being able to be discipled and centered on Christ with a group of people in a particular rhythm yeah. is powerful to my own growth in Christ. And I and I do. I, I believe in rhythms and you know i'm i'm not i guess we've uh we've adopted it more on the weekly basis not as much on the yearly, yearly basis though we we do some of these elements sure. we do yeah we do easter and good friday and christmas and yeah so here's not, one of the most powerful yeah. things of calendar is lent i yeah. mean it is one of the ones that most people know about but what most people don't know is that the early church baptized almost exclusively on easter hmm. And Lent was actually the period in which the people who were going to get baptized were what we would call catechized. They were trained yeah. in the way of Christ. And the church who had already been baptized would pray and fast. The fasting was literally for those people. Yeah. So when mm, you that's cool. fasted, you were then praying for the what we might call acolytes, the people who were to be baptized, yeah. the initiates. Of sorts, um, and so you—it's it, a really holy experience, and a, and and you get caught up in new life, and and you know, yes, I, I love that. I I think my my experience with it all was, and and some some of this was being young and working in the Christian bookstore and stuff. Was I met I met a whole lot of different flavors of Christians, and, sure, and the. I just didn't get a sense of any of this from the liturgical church folks I interacted with. Like, sure. You know, so you're talking about it. I mean, if it were really practiced in its deepest sense, what it was intended to be, that's interesting to me. Um, yeah, but the experience I had was just people were like, oh, yeah, it's Ash Wednesday. You know, the church next to my house does drive through um, ashings, as yeah. I would call it. You yeah. can just drive through the loop and they just hit you with the, the but, ash cross and you head on yes. to work. I don't know that that stuff. I just don't. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, but it, to me, it's like the the Protestant Church is full of this. Yeah, the Catholic Church is full of this. It doesn't. Yeah. You don't have to have liturgy to do this. Of course, yeah. to have hypocrisy. No, know. I know. I know. I'm not. Believe me, I'm not saying that. I'm just. I'm just reflecting on why have I not been as interested. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I understand that. I mean, for me, and and what I see, and here's the thing: the reason I think. It, the church calendar is not just a popular thing. It may be a popular thing now with Protestants are beginning to be, but I think it's a necessary thing in a culture that is so busy, so yeah. crazy, and so caught up in in 
a calendar and any rhythm that isn't God's calendar and God's rhythm. And where the distinctions have become less and less um, as to what a follower of Jesus is and what any other person is, like the calendar forces you into distinction. Um, You know, and, and I think there are some good theologians who, you know, when the church, say, when the church invites us to fast, we ought to consider fasting. And I think the church does, through the calendar, invite us Mm -hmm. into something different. We don't have to, like, buy in 100%, but I certainly think. But but the church is encouraging it. Yeah. Who who, who invented, if if you would, the church calendar? Well, certainly. I mean, you're talking about the early church, but is there a, is there a, time where it's like oh so and so sat down and uh and you're asking so and so council or whatever yeah what you know that that i don't actually know i do i mean from the research most of the research i've done is on lent and how far back uh-huh. you know lent goes were but, some of these practices there and then they got formalized with time. Yeah, everything got formalized by the sixth century sure so that's that's what i you know even when you think about the apostles creed the apostles yeah. creed was kind of founded in its final way in the sixth century and so that's about when you can it was there it was a tradition before but it was locked into some kind of document yes yeah um i'm not historically i'm not i mean i just can't speak to that yeah more than that um do you think that a church could have freedom to build its own calendar or do do you need to use the old one I, i think the church could build its own calendar um there wouldn't be anything wrong with that. I think there's something very special about being connected yeah. to the larger church. I, I agree with that. I and, like I like you know at our church one thing we say in our members' meetings is we're not trying to be a new brand of Christianity, which is why we you know ask you hold the Apostles' Creed, and we're trying to connect the dots back and say we're not reinventing this faith. Um, even though our church looks different than those did back sure. then, this is the same. So I, I see the value in that. I'm just wondering if, you know, if somebody, if a church were to reflect and go, you know, in our context, um, I think we need to do more or this needs to be different. You know, do you, do you think that's just wrong or is No, I think, yeah. I, mean, I think part of, you know, there, in anything, there's the local, right? And the local, the, and some ways I imagine like mission church is, is, like folk music. Folk music is down at the level of the people and it expresses the mm-hmm. the energy and the emotion and the story of the people. But then you can imagine the church calendar and and even liturgy itself as sort of classical music or music yeah. that that has Elitist. extended over, you know, decades. Yeah. And and at times takes expert i mean it takes experts to to really do it right and it offers something of beauty that doesn't diminish folk art in fact folk art is just as powerful um it just is a different you know creative experience and, and process and so i think the two have to figure out how to marry themselves together in so seattle grunge eric is um starting to he's growing a little bit older starting to uh you know expand his palate um is listening to a little 91.5 uh, and starting to think about <laughs> the church calendar. well i mean from the very beginning i believed in the ancient future church so i mean i think that the two have to be married together i don't yeah you know i don't that's yeah liturgy's been something powerful in our church from the very beginning yeah can bob dylan lead worship in the seventh century church is the question. 
Yeah, well, and, and you know, I mean, that's a good question. During Bach's time, folk music was actually relatively popular. Yeah. And Bach actually, I think, composed some pieces that people don't really recognize or know about, but yeah, that were just for you know, they called him MC Bach on the street. Yes, MC Bach. I don't know. I mean, even <laughs> even though it's most of it, it's all baroque and big and. Dude, if it ain't Baroque, don't fix it. Yeah, wow, well, you're you're going for it. Anyway, that's my little pitch. And and for my church, yeah, we're probably over the next ten years, you know, I suspect because it's my influence, we'll move yeah. that way more and more. Yeah. Um But I will say one more last thing. Yeah. Is that I think this whole movement is because of the Anglicans. The Anglicans have theologically have begun to push into the Protestant church from people like Scott McKnight to N. T. Wright, you know. And others who have who have a very evangelical flavor to them, yeah. and and they are really good, you know, historians and theologians, and so they've begun to influence the Protestant Church in a way that that's yeah. I think I mean I would venture to say that at the least, like the Protestant Church has been so so disconnected. I mean, pa- part of what happened after the Reformation, and then with you know the New World and people coming to to America and getting to do any kind of flavor of faith they want is, is there's something lacking in that. And I think people are longing for something that connects them to other churches. Um, I think people want it to be more real and substantive, but, but some of these practices are a, are a step in that direction. It seems like, it seems like here we are, you know, deep into uh, the post-Reformation faith and we're all starting to go, you know, this whole like everybody has their own brand of the faith, even though we say we're united and we hold all the same core tenets thing isn't really enough. Right. We need we need more than that. So I was talking to a talking to a guy, I think he had a Catholic background and he was um he this is just the other day, um neighbor of mine. He kinda caught me, I borrowed a tool from him and he he knew I was a pastor and all just wanted to talk and was throwing out like why do all the churches um, celebrate Christmas and Easter. These were pagan holidays that, and, you know, and I think this guy coming from the Catholic background. So I've noticed this and we have a lot of this in Tucson, especially in the Hispanic world. I've, sure. I've noticed like three camps. There's, there's the the people with the Catholic background that are true to the end. Mm-hmm. There's the people from the Catholic background that, that maybe something's missing, but they generally want to keep like the the rhythms and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then there's the people from that background who just want to. They're just like all of that was broken. It was meaningless. It was rote rituals. It wasn't, sure. and they want to be done with that. They want a living faith that doesn't have anything to do with that, or no faith at all. They want away. or no faith. Oh yeah, there's the fourth. Yeah. Um. And so this this guy was reminding me of that third position of sure. you know these these rituals and practices that that we just adapted from the heathen world or whatever and stuff that you know we don't really yeah like i think freedom in christ meant we don't have to do all that stuff for him you know right so how speak to that you know what how would you um encourage him to love the church calendar and and return to its practices how would i encourage him well i mean you know it's kind of the the thing of we always live a life of reaction, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and the Protestant movement. And you're reacting to right, sure. the Protestant. Yeah, we're always reacting. Yeah. Um, the Protestant movement is a reaction to uh-huh. the Catholic movement. Um, the Catholic, 
taking Christmas, Easter on those dates is a reaction to the pagan culture itself. and, And it's a redemptive process. I would say the best way to do it is to move out of it and not do it. Is to find find a place where you are connecting with Jesus, and then if Jesus calls you back into the calendar, hopefully that will be a redemptive experience. But I, I think, you know, that's the beauty of following Jesus in this period of time is that he actually offers you many different ways of engaging him on the same tenets. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, I, and I did my encouragement to this guy because he was kind of he kind of seemed like he was at this place where he discovered some of those things and it was in more of a rejection mode. And I, I only had a minute. I was actually we had an active leak at the rental house, I know. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, <laughs> water's coming out of the pipe, you know. But I, uh, I kind of said, look, you know, sorry, but really quick, you know, here's my advice. I was like, so. We can we can get really passionate about something that that isn't Jesus, you know. So at the end of the day, um, you know, you can get frustrated with a group of Christians that celebrate what you know you're perceiving as a pagan holiday, even and they've just layered Jesus over it. Um, but the main thing at the end of the day is having a relationship with Jesus and knowing Christ and being in a community of God's people, and so. I was like, when you stand before God and if you trust in Jesus and it turns out we were wrong about celebrating Christmas um, on this day and we shouldn't have given, you know, socks full of gifts after all, God isn't going to put you away for that. Right. He's going to accept you in Christ. So I said, just don't make that the big thing. Make Jesus your big thing and then have your convictions on this stuff and live by it. Sure. But don't. Don't divide over it and don't criticize people over it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. And I mean, the thing is, the church calendar is following and trying to imitate Jesus. Because Jesus was constantly retelling local stories, you know, Israel stories. So Passover becomes communion. Yeah, he followed and redefined some... some, uh, Right. Interestingly, Passover was once a year and communion's once a week. Right. And so it does it didn't all stay exactly right. the no. same, right? He just yeah. told it differently. Or on depending what tradition. You're yeah. In. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes communion is once a year. Right. Or sometimes Yeah. Right. Yeah. When did the early church my my kind of general understanding, I don't know that I can cite anything, but my general understanding was that the early church met in homes and partook of a meal together regularly. And so and that the breaking of bread at the least was a regular activity in yes. a home, perhaps really every day. Right. And so by him taking that – and that wasn't part of the Passover. It, it was – okay, yes and no. It, I don't know that – I would be of the camp that would say you don't – it doesn't need to be unleavened Passover bread. No. Right. And so it was kind of normal. It was like – it was taking a thing that was Passover-connected – but giving you the opportunity to reflect on it every day when you broke your bread. Right. And in particular, I mean, it was, there was a particular way they went about it on Sundays. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, I, I think that, um, yes, it wasn't an, a normal meal like we, we talk about, but from what we can understand historically, there was a process on Sunday morning because everybody worked on Sunday. It wasn't a special. Yeah, it wasn't their Sabbath. So they met early the in the, the morning. Week. They we know from one particular writing, I think, 
uh, of a Roman governor. He described they 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 sang some songs in the morning. They broke bread and drank wine, uh-huh. and they went out into their jobs. Yeah, so they had they were day drinkers. Yes, they were. Yeah, <laughs> no, they they had a little wine. Yes, yeah. Well, everything had wine. In yeah, it. there's yeah. lots of bugs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and it was medicinal, and there were all sorts of things, right? Right. Um, yeah, so so that it was like an early morning. Yeah, somebody asked me about uh, this. Came up the other day at church. Somebody went like, "Oh, I used to go to church on Saturday, which was really the Sabbath." And and um, and then this other guy I was talking to said something about, you know, we don't even we're not even practicing the Sabbath. And and I said, you know, there's a lot of different views on on how that works. And again, I said, and I would just encourage you to 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 know that you could have any of those views, but if you if you want to know Christ and trust him and follow like at the end, if you get up and stand before God someday and and he goes you know what you were really supposed to rest more on Saturdays actually and you go oh no but you're in Christ you're you're going to you're going to be accepted by faith um but but yeah talk about when uh that Lord's day thing like it wasn't like a whole day necessarily for them. They probably did practice yeah it the didn't Sabbath. really the Jewish people did right yeah it didn't really happen until Constantine that we you would find it like the full on Sunday right where you have space yeah. in culture to right. to provide for that uh so no it was that wasn't the, available no, it was not yeah. available to you. But but Paul deals with this in Romans, like in the sense of talking about special days and yeah. and feast days. Like it's even with when it comes to the calendar, it really is at some level what you hold on to in your relationship with Jesus. You know, yeah, as to something that connects you there. Because you could do all those things for all the wrong reasons, right? Right. You know, and so we can acknowledge that that you could have all these practices and think yourself very. Yeah. righteous for them all, right? right. Um, or you can do them because you want to know Christ, and this is a way to do that, and that that motive is so important. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the thing is, no matter what form you use to, to step into as a community to worship God, as long as it is following in general what Paul lays out in Ephesians mm-hmm. to kind of do when you gather together, um, and singing psalms to one another and, and yeah. offering words of encouragement and praying for each other and right. and having a sober spirit, all those things, kind of moving in those directions. Really what you need to be aware of and however you process your communal worship with God is God's presence. Right? Are you together attending? And this, these are to God's presence. Are you looking for it? Are you together repenting of the places you've walked away from it? I'm like, is that the thing? Is Jesus the center of however your process works? Right. Um, because then he he will show up because it says we're two or three are gathered, like he's there. So you're just as a community, as you're saying, okay, you're here. So how do we see you and join you in this? Yeah. I don't know if it matters. I mean, how you do it. I mean, it's cool that if you connect to an ancient way. It's cool if you're being creative and looking at new ways to do it. I and mean, I think those are. And I think a key thing is is. Um, you know, understanding that you can adopt these practices and you should, and you should really be thoughtful on which ones you do and which ones you don't. Um, but I, there maybe being careful of the, like something happens. And this is what I was concerned about with this neighbor I was talking to was that he was sectioning himself off from large Mm -hmm. portions of the church. Mm -hmm. Right. 
um, because of either what you're doing or not doing. Like you're right. you're you know looking at, and it becomes this like speck in your brother's eye sort of thing where you're you're just you know oh these people are you know this you know their worship isn't very very good. I mean this in and you've talked about reform circles and complained about them, and I'm usually the one going man you know I'm not so bad. But in my experience of of like reform circles and reform seminary. Like I've I've walked away going, we have to be very careful of this because it's like we're being so, um, uh, you know, just so detailed on like how worship should be, and then speaking in in very critical ways sometimes if you're not careful about how other people do it and what is the the right way to do it, and whether mm. that's the calendar or the, and I think that there is a real. Um, there, you can bump into a real problem there sure. if you're not careful of sectioning yourself off and it's this like new righteousness of like I worship God the way that he's commanded me to sure. um, or the historic way and you sure. people don't do the historic ways. I don't know. I would just tack on to all my friends out there like please push toward deeper, more meaningful worship but be very careful that you don't um, create for yourselves a new standard for righteousness outside of Christ in doing right. it. Right. And well, and I think that you're part of it is the Protestant disease, yeah. which is, I think, you know, Catholicism became very, um, yeah, corrupt in yeah. a lot of different ways. And, you know, obviously Luther is attempting to reform it, not leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was forced to leave it. But what's, what happened is, happened at the time of the enlightenment and the invention of the printing press and the invention of the printing press a whole lot of things were changing and the intellect the mind became yeah. the primary mode and so we kind of left the mystery and our heart mm-hmm. and sort of the mystical part of our faith um and we really kind of cleaned it all up and in some ways lost while we were cleaning it up we lost some of the mystery yeah and we and we lost some of the i guess the way it was built out i mean a lot of those so Luther and Zwingli and Calvin and all this stuff is happening around the Reformation. Yes. And then and then all of a sudden, these are the first theologians publishing books. It becomes all about the mind. Mm-hmm. Then a bunch of these people in Europe after the upheaval that was created by that immigrated to the United States to have religious freedom. And then we have – and then in the United States, we have denominations in mass uh, because of that. Right, because of everybody wanting to express their own version, and then we exported that back out um, around sure. the globe is sort of the journey. But um, but a lot of those early Reformation churches tried to strip everything down. Yes, like they would meet in plain meeting halls. They would have no instrument, no art, no decoration, no calendar, no anything. They they tried to just the word mm-hmm. that was it right and um and that was noble in that they were trying to get away from the performance and the corruption sure. but it was it was i would suggest too far right that the mystery and beauty and transcendence and things that people used to experience they kind of threw that out with the bathwater right. yeah yeah i agree yeah and then all of a sudden, Presbyterian churches started being fancy again. They did. <laughs> and started getting choirs and fancy buildings. And they were the ones that 
people thought never would do that. Right. Right. Yeah. And then the and then the Pentecostals started meeting in like metal buildings just to get things done. And yeah, now there's been a lot of interesting uh, movements in the American yeah. church. And then the village was then planted village. in Tucson, Arizona. That's right. Met at the Muse. At the Muse. And then they got a little building over on Cloverland and made the mega neo monastic house church. That's right. And then Mission Church did the uh, novel thing of. I don't know. Getting a building, having the the cool not, exposed brick, uh, leaving, exposed putting brick. up the pagan, leaving the pagan signs, the bingo on the, signs. Yeah, not pag, let's be on pagan signs on the on the wall. Bingo mm. is pagan, right? I mean, that's sort of thing. bingo. <laughs> pagan bingo. That's yeah. gonna be the title of our podcast. Yeah, there. I'm pagan sure there have been a couple people who walked in and went, Ooh, "Oh, bingo. bingo!" And then they never came back. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, I mean, I think great thing. Uh, and the only bingo that has been played was just for fun um, at a big dinner. But, but hey, you know. yeah, but hey, like, I mean, but there is some some elements that you have chosen, you know, to be creative with, and and the right. way that you've designed your building, the way you have allowed its um, we didn't, previous we didn't, architecture to be. We didn't strip it of its history. Yes, like we even have a little thing up about the old men's club that was in there, not because we're trying to promote that but it's it's just interesting this is what this building was right um whereas i, I think a lot of people would try to utterly purge and yeah. n- never speak of that again or something right. and and we were like well this, that's what it was like and yeah. now it's a church we think that's a cool story it is a cool um, story but but you're right that wouldn't have uh that's that's different it is different mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, you know, so I, I threw one other little topic out. Can we yep. give it five yep. minutes? Let's give it five minutes. The I would mun- love to do that. The mundane nature of the Christian life. The yeah. mundane nature of the Christian life. Can you explore that a little bit for so me? So I was thinking about it. So I, uh, yesterday, so I've, I've preached a couple times straight and now I've got some weeks off. And yesterday I was just, it was, uh, just back to like my other job is what it felt like. I was, I sat in my office, which I rarely do a lot of emails, a lot of thinking about wood and metal and client follow-up. And, and I just was like, I was thinking, you know, this is good because this is what everybody else in my church is doing today. Mm -hmm. Generally, they just went to work and most of them just did their thing you know, there, and there wasn't this profound, um, you know, I had no counseling, no church meetings at all, you know, for the day. And, and that's, that's what most people are doing. And yeah, I just wanted, I just thought about that. And I thought, you know, it's good. I was no less a Christian yesterday. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and I don't know, I just thought maybe it'd be, It'd be something to talk about. Just, it's not always a big day. It's not always a, a faith filled day. Like, well, in the respect of you don't always have those conversations and you don't always. And uh, how should we view that? Well, <laughs> I mean, I think again, not to go back to the church calendar. Oh, you found a way. <laughs> I found a way. I thought we were moving on. Yeah. No, I mean, I think part of what the rhythm, like, that is what the rhythm of the church pushes against. Not the mundaneness, but it pushes against the idea that you aren't living in a moment that is um, holy. 
Right. And so there's a, a the I, holiness to your mundane life, right? Like, okay, this is what I'm getting at. Because yeah. I'm not saying it's not holy, and I'm not right. – I probably phrased it wrong. No, no, I think it's a good way of phrasing it because that's the way we tend to feel when we experience right. those things. I mean, I think to be reminded of the bigger thing that we are a part right. of as we toil yeah. in some yeah. ways and face the thorns – the mm-hmm. push against us, the emails, the calls, the people we're trying to get a hold of that we can't get a hold of, you know. Yeah, the shipping rates that are astronomical. Yes. The uh, meeting that goes too long, the right. bill that, that comes in too high. Right. The, the uh, you know, the, the secretary who's sick and her kid is sick and, you know, all those kinds of things. I get a secretary. Yeah, I don't even have so that they problem. can have a. I need that problem. That's a kid. Yeah, I don't have that problem either. But I just, you know, I'm imagining that this is part of the life. Yeah, you know. But what happens is, yeah, you have that mundane experience. But for most people, you have the mundane experience, and you have the anxieties of life mm-hmm. pushing in on you too. So it's not. Oh, yeah, that was there. It's That's not there. so mundane. And in fact, I think in our world, it's become less and less mundane. I think we're just full of anxiety and distraction. That we almost don't get to experience the mundane. Yeah, I heard uh, Russell Moore said a thing, and it was on it was in respect to social media. But he said some of the some of the most important times in my childhood came from boredom. Yes, and he, I thought this was really good. He just said we don't know how to be bored, and I think this is a problem for us. I, I would thought, agree. Yeah, I thought I can't remember the last time I was bored and had no idea what to do. Can't I can't. Yeah. I, outside of my sabbatical, but even that, I had there are plenty of things to do. I right. chose to take long walks. Right. I didn't feel bored. Right. Yeah. Well, and and <laughs> and I mean, my my challenge to people, you want to really kind of wrestle with boredom and mundane life and experience. If you don't need your cell phone, don't take it with you. Go on a date. Right. And you and your wife, you both don't need a cell phone. Choose one of you to have it in case you know if you get the babysitter needs to get a hold right. of you. Choose one of you. Leave your phone at home. Yeah. Leave your phone at home anytime you can. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that you used to go home to check your messages. Yes. So you don't was... need your phone. You don't need yeah. to know what's on Facebook and the news and all those kinds of things. That will begin to force your brain to have to wrestle with things. Mm-hmm. And I know when I leave my phone at home, even when I like go to work and sit in my office if my phone is home, like I have a deeper peace after yeah. a little bit of distraction, like of, of you know, oh, my gosh, well, Where's my phone? Right, right. It's it's more peaceful. Yeah. So I don't know the the Christian mundane life. That's an interesting. You know, the every day you get up in the morning, go to work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it was just uh, well, maybe that's all there was to say about well, it. It was uh, just uh, I mean, it's kind of a mundane topic, just kind of boring. I, I don't know, but here's the thing: is like, yeah, you but you did interact with people, right? At some oh, level. oh, I actually quite a bit. Yeah. So I'm I just think, saying it was it was. Um, it was back to where it was a Monday. There was actually plenty to do because it was right. stuff had stacked up over the weekend that I didn't – I had ch- chosen – you know, I didn't address any of these emails on, you know, on Sunday. Um, actually, not really on Saturday because I went to Bisbee and watched vintage baseball. Nice. Which was great. Um, and uh, And I love baseball because there's the possibility of feeling sort of bored. Exactly. That's what I love about baseball. Um but but yeah, that was it was great. So I didn't address all this stuff. So it hit me all on Monday, which is fine. Right. But it just was you know, is the thought I had of yeah, you know, this is the life um 
this is the way faith feels for most of the people in my church. Sure. And I'm glad I do that too sometimes, yeah. quite a bit. But sometimes my day is punctuated by what feels like ministry moments where it's like, oh, this is kingdom work. But a lot of folks, it doesn't feel that way. It is, though. Right. It well, is. And, and, maybe, yeah. and maybe that's the problem of the way we train people. And mm-hmm. I will not talk about the calendar, but I will talk about the fact that when the church gathers around the table, and your church and my church both serve communion, yeah, there's something, you know, we're Protestants, but there's something powerful, God's presence there. Right. That we're eating the, the broken body, the blood poured out for us. That there's something that, no, I don't believe it's flesh, no, I don't believe it's blood, but I do believe that God's presence is there in a unique way as we gather and right. remember that is something we do as followers of Jesus. And even if people who don't know Jesus come in, they look and see that. But that is the thing we do together. As we head out into our homes and our neighborhoods, we take that presence. And then when you push out that to your work, even though you may be sitting there typing emails, the presence oh, yeah. is there with you, the Spirit of God. And you have you are constantly on the mission of the kingdom as you write, as you engage people, as you feel the pressure of the the electric bill that was too high or whatever the bill was that you get. (laughs) There was a cool thing that happened yesterday too, actually. I just remembered this. One of the phone calls uh, where a guy, you know, yeah, I care about a lot who just also is in another industry job expressed that it was nice to, to engage in phone calls with me. And I thought, It just meant a lot to me. It's been on my mind, honestly. I I just thought that that's really cool. Like we're all on all you know in these industries. Like I'm in. I mean, we're we're like a yeah. You could call us a commercial furniture builder. You you have to. There's all kinds of phone calls and there's all kinds of communication and um, and a lot of it is is uh, you feel like somebody's mad at you or pressuring you or it's just business, right? Um, and being uh you know walking with Jesus in that I would hope the flavor would be a little different right that and, people would find you to to bring a bit of peace to their life in the midst of those things right right yeah and uh and I'm I don't always I mean well and sometimes it needs to be a bit of a do the right thing you know or whatever too like it's right, not right, right. always Jesus doesn't always make you feel peaceful but often right well, like, even so I, disruption right. leads to peace at times. Yeah. And right, to actual peace. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That was a... Oh, that's interesting. And I, I didn't really connect the dots on that one of that being like the presence of Christ, but, but it was encouraging to me, I think. I just, it meant a lot to hear. I was like, oh, good. I'm glad. Um, so, well, hey, man, it's been about 42 minutes and uh, we both... We got a meeting coming up, don't yes, we? Yes, I Not got a meeting. together, no, somebody else. Somebody else. Just that good old, you know, getting to work, be the presence of Christ out at your next meeting, Eric. Yes, you too. I'll do my best. All right. Whatever. One of the two. Enjoy. Yep.